0: Welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 437 for, gosh, we're into, we're into April already. It's April 1st. Here we go. Q2 2020. Uh, Ryan McCaffrey with you in another window. Destin Lagaria, a familiar face. And then our newest cast member joining us from Seattle or, or the greater Seattle area. Uh, cast member for a week Phil Spencer thank you so much for joining us
1: hey thanks for having me it's uh, great to be here in uh, in my office part of podcast unlock <laughs> it's been too long I was trying to think when's the last time we did this together
0: three years ago uh, oh, the, wow. the, the the great pen incident when you had a oh, pen yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, we figured we were just banned for a while from from the Phil Spencer talk show circuit but we're happy to have you back
1: now, the way oh. I remember that is he threw the pin at me. That's yeah. the way I'm remembering the story. <laughs> like some answer didn't meet his level of quality he was expecting, and he hucked the pin right at me. So, yeah, no, no, had nothing to do with that. It's been too long. It shouldn't go three years. That's
0: ridiculous. I agree. So, yeah, appreciate you making the time. I know we tried to do this face-to-face during GDC. That obviously yeah. all didn't work out, but uh, you guys obviously made the right call. The show ended up being postponed and, and everything. So um, I want to start – there with you actually uh as as you're working from home your team's working from home we're all doing that what is your typical day like now trying to to juggle all of this uh, trying to juggle a console plan and a console launch from from home on top of it all
1: yeah i i mean i I first just want to say to everybody out there um i think we're all living through unprecedented times um you know the safety and security of all of you the community uh, our teams, our customers, primarily important. And, uh, you know, this is not something in all my time in Xbox that I've ever had to deal with. of prolonged stretches of people working from home This is obviously new for all of us. So there's, you know, there, there's just a, a level. I think we're, there's a level of, of uncertainty in terms of what's going to happen. I get a lot of questions about, uh, you know, what's happening with this date? What schedule is that on? And, you know, the answer I can give, just being honest, is, uh, we're learning every day uh, what this is like in different teams or at, at different parts in their schedule. For me, because uh, most of my time, frankly, is in meetings and doing reviews on things. Yeah. Uh, I've been working from home now for, what is it, four weeks? And I come into my office here. I've got a setup. up. Uh, I started at 830 this morning and here on the West Coast uh, with an ESA board meeting, <laughs> long meeting there as we were looking at E3 and talking to everybody about what, what we should be doing. Um, and then just spend a lot of time with the teams. But I'll say I, I miss, I'm sure you guys are the same. I miss the time seeing my, the members of the team. Very much. Uh, I feel it, you know, we're getting a lot of uh, a lot of our team. Like I have a family here, so I come all my wife's here and we can hang out together. But if I lived alone, I could imagine that, you know, work was one of my social outlets and uh, we don't have that today. So. And um, you know, I think we're all just trying to pull together and, and, and get through
0: it. Well, we're glad to see, you know, the, the you, your home safe, Microsoft team safe. It was great to see Satya Nadella and, and Microsoft leadership, making sure that all, you know, even the, the, uh, every employee was, was taken care of financially and, and health wise. Right. So it's great to see uh, Microsoft really looking out for their, their, their personnel, their employees on this. So, Before, I want to get to a lot of fun stuff with you, but I I, I can't help. I mean, we have to talk uh, about the current situation a little bit. You guys have publicly said uh, everything's on track for a fall launch of the Series X as of now. But is there a possibility, is there a sort of envelope B where if if things don't improve, if things go a certain way, where, where this console doesn't make the launch in the fall?
1: Well, I'll say the, the thing I'm going to put front and center is safety and security of the teams. And there's no decision that I will make or frankly anybody at Microsoft would even ask me to make that would compromise the safety and security of the teams um, for kind of a near term, either financial or product gain. It's just right. uh, the teams are the most important thing. Um, you know, I'd say pragmatically, uh, the the supply chains in China have started to come back. I think we've seen that in the news. Uh, that China was obviously earlier in dealing with C19 uh, before it before it spread. And I think that we can see in the factories and stuff we're starting to get report things back from them, and that that's working for us. The biggest issue, the two big issues we're kind of monitoring right now, you know, building a video game from home. Uh, A large distributed team of hundreds of people is not easy. Uh, Video games, as we know right now, are big, and there's like huge, massive asset bases that each one of these games have. And how you trend. uh, I think all of those things are, uh, we're just kind of living. On the hardware platform side, Uh, I think I I made it public when I I had my series X at home and I'm using it for testing. Um, As much as I have a great time doing that, that kind of time with the console is important and we want to make sure that we've got the right amount of time for the platform tech that we're putting in place to get all the testing done. So we've had to move a lot of that testing in the homes. I'd say things right now um, aren't easy. I think things are stretched. I can feel it in the teams. They're stretched. We have nothing right now that says we're not going to make uh, the dates that we've been planning. But I'll also say, it, as I said earlier, this is kind of real-time stuff. And I'm, I'm going to put the safety and security of the teams uh, at the top, along with the quality product. Like I don't want to rush a product out um, if it's not ready. So uh, feeling good, but also just being eyes wide open.
0: Is one of the options where you there wouldn't be a global launch and you would, you would limit and do a certain number of territories this fall, if that's sort of all that's possible?
1: You know, we haven't really started on any kind of plan B, as you asked about. So um, I'm hesitant to kind of do the what if on sure. this. I will say that uh, having lived through the Xbox One launch, I know that... Um, significant delays in region launches hurt us. It hurts us with the sentiment of the fans. And every time I go to Japan, I'm, I'm reminded that we were, what was it, nine months late um, in launching there with Xbox One. And, and the internet means everybody knows where everything is launched. So it's not like, uh, you know, 30 years ago when it was kind of, it's just not here yet. And right. you don't get the roar of, of people getting excited from other regions. So. Um, you know, I, I haven't, we haven't started on that plan B, but I'd be hesitant to do something like that. Um, and and fundamentally some of the issues that we have to work through are more software related than, than hardware. So, and when you're done with software, it kind of scales globally. Um, so I, am I'm not predicting that. Um, but you know, I, I think, as I said, we're just managing day to day and kind of watching how things are going and watching our productivity.
0: Well, I appreciate the sort of insight into your thinking there. I'm always, you know, it's I'm I'm very curious, kind of how you're thinking about this stuff. So I appreciate that. Now, you mentioned uh, trying to, to develop the software remotely. Now, A Moon Studios was already doing that. That's yeah. that's they're a distributed uh, developer, but you know we've just seen uh, some slight delays on on both uh, from In Exile on Wasteland and yeah. on. Uh, on Minecraft Dungeons uh, moving a month out into May. So is there, is there any sort of contingency plan on the, on the software side? Like if, if uh, hardware's ready and software's not, would one come, you know, will things just come out as they're ready or will things kind of stay coordinated uh, and and paired up no matter what?
1: Yeah, I I think it's a great question. And we're, in constant conversation with our third party partners, they're all learning day to day as well, how their teams are working. Um, I think for us, hardware and system and service software, those two things obviously have to stay linked. I don't wanna ship a piece of hardware where the platform's um, not completely there. I'll just laugh and say, maybe we've done that before. Um, We're not gonna do that again. Um, so the system software and the platform got to be solid in order for us to do anything. I do think that the, the overall series X, if it was, if everything was there for the software and the services and the hardware, I don't think I would hold it for any individual game. I mean, obviously the big one you think about is Halo. Yeah. I was going to ask. Iconic with the launch, um, you know, it's Bonnie and the team are doing a really good job on, on Halo Infinite right now, um, and uh, they're they're staying on top of the issue. They're learning as well, just like we all are. Um, but I, I don't. I think you know we'll we'll kind of go in eyes wide open on what we're what we're trying to get done. But I don't think we would hold the launch of the overall platform for any individual game. I think we just have to be very transparent with people on where we are and how we're how we're trending, which is something. That we've tried to do from the beginning of this platform, and yeah. um, let people know how things are going, and giving people a real behind the scenes on where we are. And you know, even from a PR perspective, we were having discussions about through the summer: do we kind of up our cadence with our see how what progress we're making because this is kind of an unprecedented time trying to launch a new platform in a circumstance like this. Uh,
0: I guess the I know you don't want to play the what if too much, but if if uh... If the hardware does slip for whatever reason, is there a chance that Halo still comes out this fall on on Xbox One and Xbox One X?
1: Yeah, I, I, honestly, and just because I'd be kind of making up answers here, I haven't cut done by two on if this moves, if that moves, okay. kind of what would we do? Um, yeah. Today, we feel pretty good about our plans, but I, I'll just reiterate: you know, safety and security is most important. Um, and I think if we get to the point, I would sit down with Liz Hamron, who runs our console platform and hardware team, and Matt Booty, um, and frankly, Sarah Bond and the third parties, because there's obviously a lot of great third party support that we're looking for uh, through the fall. And so it, I think it would just be a, a joint effort. You know, I get these same questions, just so you know, from the third party publishing heads when I'm talking to them, how are we feeling about hardware? Um, I know there's a, there's a lot of excitement. Um, And frankly, you know, us and Sony are both dealing with this. Um, I'm sure we're dealing with it in our own ways, but it's uh, kudos to all the teams that are just trying to manage these processes. But I say that also knowing there's frontline medical workers out there that are doing a lot more difficult things than trying to ship games and a a game platform. Uh, But I do, you know, as I look at the teams that are keeping servers up today, we're seeing incredible demand across the board for games and game services and the teams trying to keep these projects on track and doing a really good job at that to date. Um, my my hats off to them. because This is just this is uh, something new for all of us.
0: So, Phil, you mentioned Sony. Now, was was it the goal heading into this project? We've heard from uh, from the, the the Series X hardware team that this project was actually started in 2016. Right. Uh, was it Was it the goal as it as it was and, and clearly turned out to be with the Xbox One X? was the aim to be the most powerful console uh, you know, without knowing necessarily what the other guy's doing. And now that you've heard Mark Cerny deliver uh, the first round of tech specs, the kind of overview there, do you feel good about that? Do you feel like you've achieved that?
1: Yeah, I think you asked the question in exactly the right way. We started in 2016 not knowing or even really, frankly, thinking much about when another platform holder would launch or what their goals would be. So it's really hard to go and create goals that are relative to somebody else in the market, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that we're not incredibly proud of the of, of series X and how that Xbox will, will exist in the market when it launches. I, I love the work that teams have done, but we really try to set our own player goals, experience goals, creator goals for what we're trying to build. Uh, we did that with Xbox One X, and I think you and I had the conversation And we really wanted to be able to hit 4K. We thought 4K30 was reasonable. we get some games that would go to 4K60, and we get some games that decided to not hit 4K. But we wanted to make sure that 4K was achievable. You know, this time around, for a long time, I've been talking about balance between CPU and GPU without just kind of giving all of our plans. But I've tried to be transparent with the things that we were targeting you know, we looked at things like refresh rates and frame rates and we've been on them I and we, we did variable refresh rate on, on Xbox One so that we could learn and start the conversation with hardware manufacturers. We started the conversation about DirectX ray tracing and how we wanted that um, to exist on our platform. We started even thinking about the cloud and how this platform that we're going to build is going to be the engine for X Cloud going forward and making some decisions, whether it's direct ML and other uses for this hardware when it's a data center. So it's, it's not really a relative exercise. Um, you know, we, we give ourselves a price envelope, obviously we have to do that, otherwise we just blow the thing up. Um, <laughs> we give ourselves, we did want to hit a certain performance goal, which I've said is why the console looks the way it does. Um, but it, it isn't really a relative exercise compared to someone else. But it takes a lot of long-term planning. Here we are four years later, um, and and we're able to talk about what we've designed all along. And i, I mean, i mean i like I said, I'm incredibly proud of the work the teams have done. All
0: right. Well, well, that said, you you dodged the second part. Let me let me rephrase right. it this way. You watched Cerny's presentation. If I had a microphone on you, what would I have heard? What would the reaction of Phil Spencer have been? Would, would I've would would it have been like, oh yeah, we. <laughs> we feel really good or wow, they, they really crushed that. Or kind of what, what was your reaction to, to no, I felt really good
1: about, no doubt. I felt really good about how Series X lines up. And I think Mark and the team did some really good work on the audio processing that they've talked about. Their SSD technology is, is, is impressive. We like that. Uh, we saw the work that they did, but you know, we, we took a holistic view on our platform from CPU to GPU to RAM to throughput, velocity architecture, um, how uh, latency, back compat, you know, we took it took us years um, to get to this point. I mean, even going back to my kind of crazy talk at one of those um, those events down in San Francisco where I started talking about hardware that might upgrade through the generation and what that meant which leads us to the ability for you to buy now an Xbox one game that will work in its full fidelity on series X. And, you know, it's so um, the the planning takes a long time. And so, you know, I, I will definitely have respect for any platform team that's, that's launching. because it, it just takes a lot of work, but I will say when, when we finally saw the public disclosure um, I felt even better about the choices that we made on our platform. And, uh, and I, and I, and I kind of expected that I would. I mean, it's our, i the hardware team under Liz that has been did S, did Xbox One X, um, I just have a lot of confidence in them. And if I give them the time and the targets to go hit, um, I just believe in their ability to create a great end-to-end program and uh, the work that Jason Ronald and the team have done is just fantastic.
0: Well, you talked about uh, price earlier and having a price objective in mind. Uh, I mean, do you worry about your price relative to the other guy at all in the marketplace?
1: Yeah. So what happens as we get closer, like if you go back to 2016, what do we want to go to talk to creators? What are they seeing? Look at what's happening in some extent, instances on the PC, uh, space and see what technology is going. You don't, I mean, you, you have to set a a price target at the beginning for yourselves. and then you kind of roll in as you see the the, the competition come in and start to do your go-to-market planning. Uh, you know, it's I feel good about the price that we're going to be able to get to. I feel good about the price and the, the performance capabilities that we have with Series X. Um, I've, I I just I feel incredibly strong about the overall package. I know last week you guys were talking a little bit about xbox all access and the way the pricing of these consoles has actually changed a little bit now with so many people taking advantage of kind of of acquiring your console in more of a subscription motion almost more the way you get a phone as opposed to um, an all-in-one price but i you know you're definitely going to be continuing to keep our eyes wide open as we go towards launch uh, looking at what the competition is doing but you know we have a plan and we feel very solid about our plan um we think it's a winning plan and Long ago, you and I sat in a room one somewhere where I said I wanted to win, and then you got frustrated for me, with me for years about where is this winning plan? <laughs> I think we, I, I believe we have a plan that can win. We've got to go execute, uh, but I feel really good about the plan that we put
0: together. Well, yeah, you said that when that was the first the first interview that you did with me when you took over as head of Xbox. That's uh, that's exactly so that's it's been a, a long road, and I and I've talked on this podcast a lot about how I feel like you've done a brilliant job of executing that plan. Uh, and, uh, I'm sort of curious it, you know, we saw 2013, I want to ask you about the lessons that you learned from 2013 that you're applying now, but one of the things that didn't go your way in, uh, in 2013 was price and a, and a seemingly, uh, quick reaction from Sony on the used games thing and your kind of digital messaging at that point. So with regard to to price on Series X, is that sort of fixed no matter what? Is it just is what it is, or is there a scenario where you might be reactive to the competition and be able to have some flexibility to, to uh, adjust your price accordingly if you so desire?
1: We're getting an incredible support from Microsoft. Uh, Satya Nadella, my boss, the CEO, AB Hood, the CFO, they're very uh, linked into to what our plans are. Um, and we're, we're gonna make sure we stay agile on our pricing and that we have a good plan going into launch. But I, I think you, you hit it right, that there were other policy things around Xbox One and maybe even some focus, definitely some focus things um, in terms of learning that I don't think it's just about price. Um, I think you've got to have, but I, I think you've, you've got to obviously be at a competitive price. You've got to have an offering that uh, meets the needs of the customers that you want. And in many cases, exceeds the needs of what they expected. And that's where, you know, when I, I'm watching the response. I feel, I feel good about that. Um, but when I think about programs uh, like Game Pass and how important I think that can be in a purchase decision for somebody, uh, when I think about things like smart delivery, um, when I think about our back compat program and how the best version of your games are going to play on the best version of the hardware, which is not something that's traditionally been true, you know, we're we're out there kind of breaking some of the traditional tropes that are in the console gaming space. True, uh, because we're we're trying to put the customer at the center and trying to it, it's about allowing people to play the best versions of their games respecting the purchases that they've made with us, even though maybe some of the past business models were let's go force people to go rebuy all the games that they own. Um, You know, it's respecting the relationships that they have, the fact that it's going to be a continuous experience across uh, Xbox one and series X and that that experience and the games that you own and things like game pass and things like smart delivery and the fact that Xbox live will be on both. Uh, platforms and, and even more is important i mean many people probably forget that when we launched xbox one you couldn't talk to xbox 360 customers right um, on xbox live i mean it, we didn't support your digital library when you moved over even though we're telling you this was a digital console uh, the digital relationships and friends that you have you weren't able to maintain those relationships you know it's you talk about my learning it's it's respect of gamer. Um, respect the art form that is building games, and sometimes that means you're taking short-term financial hits relative to the traditional console business. But in the long run, I look at this business as just a business that's growing, um, an activity that's growing. It's definitely growing right now, for people at home. And I'd much rather be a cooperative part of the growth of this business than to create our little walled garden reasons that you know our content. Um, Should only be ours or people shouldn't be able to experience the games that they purchased from us on their the newest hardware that they have
0: Right now. I mean and you've you've been showing that with uh, with backwards compatibility. You mentioned game pass you've really really uh, Shown rather than just told which I think has just been fantastic for you guys leading into the the launch of the series X Uh, I did want to ask you though because this when when we got confirmation of this uh, Recently it it hit a lot of gamers kind of hard uh, we saw an update from Astro saying they're going to work on this type what, what can you talk about the decision behind and I suspect it's just space in the in the box having watched the teardown but why the removal of the optical port from the Series X
1: yeah i i, w- I was spying on you i was listening last <laughs> week this one um and there's definitely form factor i'm not going to say i mean you said it couldn't be about price, price does play a role there's no doubt um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you're, I, certain people might know this. I come, a, I'm a software engineer by trade. That's what I, I grew up doing.
0: Microsoft um, and Carta. Yes. That's
1: right. And, uh, so hardware is something that I, I've become closer to as I, I've, I've grown in this role. And the thing about hardware is I'm going to use kind of weird terms, but the marginal cost of everything is important. So. If you look at a part on a console that's maybe $1 or $2, and you say, okay, how big of a deal is that inside of a console that's a few hundred dollars? But then you say, okay, we're gonna plan to sell, you know, 100 million of these consoles. So you take two bucks over 100 million, now you're $200 million over the life of the program. And it, it kind of works that way. I mean, the, and I'm not saying that was the exact math on the optical, uh, the optical port. The optical audio port, we had a conversation with the headset manufacturers prior to all of this so um, when we stood up and said your accessories are going to work it we we weren't kind of walking a tightrope there we'd already had the conversations we saw so much of the energies going into so many of the codecs on delivering those either over hdmi or, or usb we knew we had a plan there so um there's space considerations no doubt we also frankly know how many people use it um today on the console. So I know you do, um, you know, and and but we see it. So we also, we kind of do the math. Of we have to put a part in every console that X percent of the people use. Is there a better place for us to, to spend that money if right. we can support it in a different way? So, um, but I mean, it's always decision about HDMI in, uh, decisions about the connect port, uh, decisions about USB blaster on the or sorry, IR blaster on the yeah. front. Um, you know, there's all of these decisions are things that we think through uh, very deeply and try to figure out where the plans are. And I know with everything that we don't do that we used to do, I'm going to, there's, there's going to be somebody who's disappointed and it's not the funnest part of the job, but I think we have to plan for the the future.
0: All right. You're a software engineer. Let's talk some software for a bit. Uh, let's start. I want to start here. I think it's fair to say you, deserves, you and the team deserve some credit for really dragging Sony into cross-play. Isn't, isn't that fair? Can you take a little credit for that? Um, I'm
1: not going to talk about any specific partner there. I will say it kind of comes back to our sentiment. You should be able to play with the people you want to play with. And uh, if we can support that and we can be advocates and champions for that, Uh, great. You know, Tim Sweeney's been out there pushing hard on this as well. Um, We think cross play, cross progression, cross buy are things that people should be able to expect in this year Um, and uh, with the digital kind of currencies and economies that are out there. Um, But yeah, I I, I feel really good that cross plays growing in popularity. I still don't see it everywhere. So uh, the battle is not won.
0: (laughs) Keep fighting it. Um, How about how has it been working with Nintendo? They're right down the street. You've done Cuphead so far. We've seen Ori, uh, the first Ori. We've seen Banjo appearing in Smash. Can we expect more of that kind of collaboration between you guys? The
1: relationship with Nintendo is great. Um, you know, Doug Bowser and I, we we're, we, we talk often. Uh, Farrakh the the CEO of Nintendo, and I know each other well, and we have conversations. I will say that I think the individual IP by IP to different platforms, I can see can kind of get confusing to customers over time. You know, We've been learning, some of these have been, some of our development partners have really wanted to go do this and yeah. want to support the desires of our creative talent. Um, so some of this has been partner led, but I think more and more about what does a full Xbox experience mean on different platforms? So that I, because right now it seems like when any game comes out, there's the, is this one going here? Is this one going there? And I'd rather be able to set more of an Xbox level expectation for our fans um, on where things are going to go. I thought we did that with our first party when we talked about game shipping on Xbox and PC. And right. you know, I got some blowback from certain people and certain groups on that, but at least we set an expectation on that. Um, and I, I'd rather see us get to this that point on the different pieces of hardware that we're on. Um, So I I guess I'll kind of leave it there Um, I definitely have a ton of respect for the role that Nintendo plays and I love having great games on their platform but I also just I don't really love this idea that for every one of our games there becomes this little rumor on is it going to end up on the switch or not and I feel like we should we should set a better expectation with our fans than that
0: fair enough uh ori we kind of touched on ori and moon studios a few minutes ago where uh where do you guys stand with them because you've had a a wonderful relationship they just shipped their second incredible uh exclusive with you but they are not they are not one of the studios that you own or have acquired so do you anticipate working with them uh more in an exclusive capacity or are there talks of acquiring them outright i'm kind of curious where you stand (laughs) with them
1: Thomas is right here. We're kind of, no, I'm, um, no, you know, the ton of respect for the working relationship with Moon, watching them grow as a studio in the let's let's you and I both know it's been years that we've worked together um, with those guys Um, and Ori is fantastic. It's a game I just love in so many ways. It's kind of a perfect game for me, Um, you know, nothing to say about the future relationship uh, and where that would go. Uh, they're an incredibly talented studio i think they could basically do anything that they want to go do next um, we love having them on xbox uh, and we love the work that we've done together but nothing really more to talk about there
0: fair enough i gotta try it's my job phil no it's okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the strangest place that you've you've played uh, you've used X Cloud in so far
1: <laughs> so i was in uh, nairobi kenya and I was in a, one of these little um, painted buses, small buses that are, are used as kind of cabs. And they had a, a Wi-Fi router that you actually had to earn. You had to watch some ads to earn credit to get out of the local hard drive. They had stored uh, content on the hard drive. So I was able to do that. And this was way back in the day before we had data centers uh, globally. So I'm sitting in Nairobi with my phone. Routed through London to uh, Quincy, Washington, bringing up Crackdown. To be clear, at kind of like two frames per second, but the fact that I actually could get uh, I could get him on screen and uh, move around, I thought was just just fantastic, and it was amazing. Like oh, everybody in the bus wanted to come around and you know see what I was doing. Um, it was it was great, and uh, you know it just gives me a lot of promise for what it's going to mean as we find these great games and stories and characters that you and I have grown up with, and we're able to bring those to more and more of the world. I think uh, that's that I I definitely believe in the the social power of gaming. Uh, I think gaming bridges, social boundaries and brings many people together, um, creates interactions that wouldn't exist in any other space. And I'm encouraged by our industry's move to bring more and more people in.
0: So uh, I guess I think, there's been a lot of, I w- I've I've seen a lot of relatively negative sentiment around Stadia thus far, but it seems more optimistic around xCloud. I think you guys have done a good job of kind of defining it, but if you can kind of clarify, like, is it with, with uh, you, you talk all about cutting down latency in all forms with Series X. Is xCloud going to be used to help me maybe like start playing a game I've bought instantly while it, while the the local copy downloads in the background? Kind of what are some of the, the some of the secret sauce things that that, that you have in mind for xCloud that are gonna First make of the all, experience better.
1: I am not a fan of the secret sauce words and like sentiments, <laughs> I won't go there. This kind of idea that there's something beyond the physics and the software that makes these things work I find kind of funny. But um, I think the xCloud scenario on a console makes a ton of sense. Like if I, one of the things we're seeing um, in xCloud today in the preview Uh, which is going like you said incredibly well and we have hundreds of thousands of people playing it's awesome is we watch people sample games we see that in, in game pass already even on console we kind of we call it the hummingbird effect of people are just willing to kind of try more games but obviously you have the download time um and so on on xcloud you definitely get people who are sampling a lot more games and i think that's healthy for our industry i want more different kinds of games played, more creators found, next new favorite games, you know, this should all be part of it. So, yeah, I think the ability to try more games more quickly uh, is an interesting thing. I don't know if you looked in the xCloud preview app, the team did some work around these, uh, I think they're called play stories, I'm forgetting the name right now, where you'd actually, you're watching the trailer for the individual uh, games in the xCloud app, and you could click through and start, streaming the game that you were watching the trailer for almost instantly and I thought you know the discoverability of new games get uh, methods like that whether it's on a console a pc or phone uh, I think should just be fantastic we can do that with music today we can do it with music with uh, movies TV right. uh, giving that same kind of instant access to games makes a ton of sense we're big fans of that in terms of latency you talked about it yeah. you know one of the things that I we, we've never done is we the speed of light still exists. Um, the When you're sitting in front of your console connected to a TV, the signal is literally going either over a wire or wireless from your controller to that console to that TV and back. Um, and this world where you know on the internet, there's a lot of work we can do to shorten the latency. And there's no doubt about that. But the best experience you're going to have is playing on a local device. Like I think we've been pretty consistent in that. We're not trying to replace playing on a PC. We're not trying to replace playing on a console. You know, we think for some people, they'll never own a gaming PC or a console. So this could be the only way they play. But not because we say, hey, this is somehow from a graphic fidelity standpoint or a latency standpoint, superior uh, to what you're playing on your on your console or PC today. Um, so the thing I love about what the team has done, is they've just been, I think they've been very uh, level setting on what this experience is and what it's not and not try to overblow it.
0: Uh, you, you touched on E3. You said you had a, a big, long meeting with the ESA. Everybody's kind of trying to figure out what does E3 or June look like. Uh, how, how sort of thrown into chaos have your rollout plans for Series X been on kind of a messaging and marketing side? Because quite frankly, I've talked about it on Unlocked. I think you guys have done a tremendous job of being very clear, very transparent, uh, and giving a ton of information so far. But if we go back you know, to 2013, you guys had, there was a a, a sort of hardware unveil in May and then June was game. So is where, what is the plan and is it, is it disrupted and kind of how, what is, what is the messaging kind of, kind of look like over the rest of the year uh, from a, you know, general perspective?
1: Yeah, the, you know, we made the decision as an ESA, as the board, we all got on, made the decision about what we were going to say about E3 and, um, when we, we canceled e three. That was a hard decision for all of us. I know we um, and at that time, we didn't know that sitting here you know, at the beginning of April end of March that we'd all be working from home and have been for many weeks. So I think you have to you have to plan as you go. And from that decision to today, things have definitely changed. Uh, I even go back, like for us, you know we had um, Austin, out and and richard and john out to do the digital foundry work yeah and that was actually right at the beginning in seattle at least of some of the work from home we're kind of lucky we got that in when we did because i think if it would have been four or five days later it would have been much more difficult for them to fly in and out um, when they did so we were, we were lucky we, we got that in we were looking towards e3 the team is working on plans and frankly we're learning how doing things like this doing things virtually can work You know the GameStack Live stuff that we did as our replacement for GDC went incredibly well. We had millions of people uh, tune in to see those things. So we're just trying to continue to learn as these things are happening. I do think that the plans have changed. You know that the team's ability to get assets done, the way they were going to get assets, gameplay or trailers, or what they were doing. that has been impacted, Um, and we are rethinking what those plans are about. But I think you know me as well. I'm, I'm a I'm a fan of what E3 has stood for. I love the press briefings. I love the the kind of condensed nature of that time. I don't know that as an industry we will be able to hit it in such a kind of tight knit um, three or four days, and like bam, bam, everything's hitting. But uh, I do, I do think we've got to we've just we've got to continue to make sure that we're giving fans the information that they want, um, and we've got a lot more to say between now and launch. So. Uh, we'll do things between now and the time where our TV 3 was supposed to be. Um, we'll do things throughout the summer. I think we're just going to look at um, how how teams can get stuff ready and how we can use digital formats to best deliver uh, experiences to the to the fans that we have. Because I think that's just the most sane way to do this.
0: Do you feel like you want to uh, have kind of talk about, all, about more, any more? I guess, is there anything left to say about the hardware or is it kind of games from here on out?
1: We definitely wanted to do the uh, the the beat we did with the unveil a few weeks ago to make room for games. Like we know, games are what people play. You don't you don't play variable rate shading. You don't play ray tracing. You play the games that use those technologies, um, and those technologies make games better. Uh, but the games are what are going to get people excited. This is one of the reasons we had Hellblade when we did the unveil at the Game Awards that I thought showing up to the Game Awards without a game would be a little tone deaf uh, to, to the audience. So, um, you know, that as we were definitely gonna be leaning into the to talk now, I do think there's more stuff for us to say about platform, about services. I'm, I'm excited about those things, but a vast majority of what we wanna talk about going forward and frankly, our third parties wanna talk about as well, uh, is the
0: great games that people will be playing. I guess yeah. When when are we? When can I pre-order an Xbox Series X? Like officially, when is that going to happen? I think we've got to tell you the price first. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Well, go ahead. I will say, on the air. nobody go should ahead. pre-order
1: a device unless they know how much it costs.
0: Or <laughs> recording, if you want to just say what the price is, we'll get this over with. <laughs> no, I, You know the the
1: pre-ordering will will uh, we don't have a firm date for that, but it'll come later. You know, later in the summer, I think what you should expect that
0: uh just shifting gears quite a bit here i, I still hear from fans on uh, of of xbox and unlocked on ign side and i'm sure you do too uh there's still a lot of love out there there's this there's this real passionate pocket of love for scalebound and people think it's going to come back somebody's going to bring it back maybe is platinum maybe you know phil's going to go buy a japanese studio they're going to get this <laughs> so can you kind of address that cancellation once and for all as to sort of Th- this what what happened there where you know and it's and it's is it done you know but there there's help help these people out that that are passionate about this video game
1: yeah it's a tough one the, um because i have a ton of respect for platinum um Comusan, the team and i have no i feel no ill will. Uh, And we talked to those guys like it's not that there's no animosity between the teams. Right. Um, We tried to go do something that uh, and it didn't work. And I I regret that we were as public about what we tried to go do. I mean, you and I've talked about this before. Uh, I did some learning around Fable Legends. I did some learning around Scalebound um, about being public about things before I kind of know um, that we've got a, a real believable plan and something that. Um, I've felt in my hands and I know is, is going to be there. And we just didn't get there um, with Scalebound and with the team. And and I say that across both teams. So I think what you hear, um, at least when, when you hear the teams us talk about it, is we love some of the ideas that we were trying to go do. And obviously, uh, we wanted to be able to ship a great game to, to our customers. I mean, that's every time we start a game, that's our end goal. So of course, we're going to be a little... Uh, upset that we weren't able to deliver on our goals with that title. We're not working on it. Um, I'm not at platinum today, but I'm almost positive. They're not working on it. Um, It's, it's something we've all moved past. And, um, and it's not a moment that I see as a a high point for me in my role, um, having to cancel a game that we had talked about for, for years. Um, But yeah, for the people out there who are kind of thinking that maybe there's something still in the works, there's not.
0: Well, I, I, I appreciate that. And at the, at the same point, you know, you're you've talked in the past about not wanting to show games too early like at E3 in particular and or as uh other other companies might show things that are further out. But now you've got 15 first-party studios and most of them new ones and you're about to launch a new console, does that thinking relax or change for this year? I mean, should should we are you going to kind of just go Empty both barrels, and we're going to see some some further out stuff to to really get an idea of what the new the new portfolio of Xbox Game Studios looks like this this year.
1: Yeah, I, you know the the roadmap has never been stronger as I look forward. I mean, even over the next you've talked a little even over like the next six months. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a little crazy how many games are coming out uh, and, I, and and in the diversity in those games. I mean, you go from like an Ori to a flight sim to here's tactics. I mean, it's uh, Minecraft dungeons. Tell me why. Like, there, it's 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 a strong lineup. I will still say for Matt and I, we want to that when we show something, we understand how we get from that announcement to the launch of a game. And, I mean, things could always happen, but we understand what the game is. We understand how it's work, and do we have the technical? and kind of uh, production capability to finish the creative vision that we have. So we're going to definitely make sure we we tick those boxes before we show something that doesn't, I think it does, it will lead us, I think now with more internal teams to be able to show things that are further out Um, because it is just regretfully, it's a little different internal teams and external teams. You just, the internal teams, you kind of know them a little bit better and, Um, And we own all the resource planning and everything for those teams so we can plan. Um, So I'm, yeah, I think coming into this, we know we want to show more. uh, And frankly, we have a lot more to show. I mean, Aaron Greenberg and I were just doing the math with with Matt and trying to figure out what is the next show that we would have where we would not be announcing a new game is kind of hard for us to predict because you just have, when you have that many studios and I'll, I'll also shout out to our publishing team they obviously just shipped Ori, great game, um, doing Tell Me Why with Don't Nod, which is awesome. And our publishing teams are first party organization that works with independent studios to ship games under our first party uh, brand. And we have some unannounced signed things there that we're really, really excited about. Um, and that team's really found the rhythm in terms of how they're working on these games and getting the quality and the shipping. So um, I'll just say that we are going to hear a lot more from us in the game space. I know I've been saying that for a while but it's just the math now says that we, we have to announce things almost every time we're on stage, new things. Um, otherwise, like we're going to ship shipping games without ever announcing them. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I know you're not going to announce games specifically right now, but uh, I'm kind of wondering if I can, if you'll, if, if I might find a way to get you to speak a little bit about your thinking behind the day one launch lineup uh, of series X, obviously you're, you're, you're kind of erasing generations by design. You're bridging the gap, but at the same point, you know we know Halo Infinite is scheduled to be the big day one launch lineup. Uh, I have long assumed, as many Xbox fans have, that Turn Ten will will uh, join that day one parade as well. But I'm curious if do you are you trying to set it up where uh, there's there's uh, a significant amount of first party release of first-party support on day one? Or or is it kind of the one or two heavy hitters from your team and then filled out with uh, with third-party support?
1: More important to me is that we've got a coming that people can, they know about, they're excited about, and they know when they're coming. And I'm going to, this will sound like blasphemy when I say this, but I actually think like on Xbox One, we might... You can argue about the quality, but I think we maybe had too many games that were all falling on the same day. And I, I think it, it doesn't really help somebody to have eight games launch on one day. And I, I think you can pace those out. Obviously, people can buy games when they want to buy them. So it's not like everybody has to buy all the games on the first day. Um, so I know having an incredibly exciting launch lineup is important. So I yes, like that that is that's important. But I also think being transparent about what's coming, When people can get excited about making sure that the teams have the time uh, to get the right game done. Shipping a launch game, you know this because you've been doing this for a long time, is very difficult. So there's certain games that you could give them a couple more months and maybe they're not there right at launch, um, but they're able to get the game done that they wanted to get done. And I actually think for the momentum of the platform, um, it's not about any one day. It's about a sustained uh, stream of great games coming from our first-party and our third-party partners. I'm way more focused
0: on that. I think a, a great example of exactly what you're just saying is uh, was was The Elder Scrolls IV: Oblivion. It was supposed to be a launch title for the 360. Didn't make it. Comes in March, and it and it just sort of hit that that second gust of wind and really helped carry the 360. Uh, or in Titanfall
1: in on Xbox yeah. One. You know, I yeah. think yeah, there are examples, and as long as you're communicating with your, your customers about when those games are going to come and what you're trying to get done. Uh, and that's not to take away from being incredibly excited about launch and, and building a lot of buzz, um, but I, I, I think, I think it is, that's, the most, that's the thing that has durability over time is a great collection of games coming at a regular cadence. Uh, of course, I'm going to pitch a little bit on the Game Pass side, giving you an easy way to to have those games and get to try them um, and see if they're the right game for you, I just think that's a, a really good equation for customers coming into Xbox.
0: I know I've got about ten more minutes or so with you, so just a, a few more things. Uh, this this one's for me. You know, I've some inter- some of these questions I, I ask them for the community. No brute
1: force. Brute force is not coming <laughs> back.
0: This one's <laughs> for me. So, um, you know, I'm sure you're very happy for for Ted Price and the Insomniac team with. Uh, yeah with with them uh, going over to Sony. But hey, for me, we never got that Sunset Overdrive 2. So, what I I seriously want to ask you is was was it was that like the right game at the wrong time or kind of can you kind of speak to cuz I still feel like that is right at the top of the list for for all-time Xbox 1 exclusives.
1: I I do too. I I wouldn't say it's the wrong time. I think there are as the pl- as the person who was in charge of the platform I think there are some really good games that have shipped on Xbox One that at the time didn't find their right place in kind of gaming war because they got caught up in a lot of the noise around the platform, some of the, the questions that people had. Right. And, um, and you know, I I, I don't love that. I, and I think a lot of that as we go forward. I think Sunset Overdrive is a great game and people should go play it. Um, and uh, you know the fact, the fact that Ted and then the great team at Insomniac ended up as part of Sony. I'm happy for them. I did a podcast with Ted at at Dice, and we remain really good friends. And I, I wish them incredible success there. So um, I'm a studio person at heart, and anytime I see a studio getting to success, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. Um, but I, you know, I, I'll even go back to like people have talked about Rise. I thought Rise is a launch game for Xbox One. It was a beautiful game. Um, you know, there's some depth of combat stuff. I can't help myself from getting into my kind of studio's mindset. Uh, but just as a launch game to show off the graphical fidelity of the of the console, I thought the Crytek team did an incredible job. And some of those games did get caught up in in some of the noise around our platform and how many P's do we have and TV 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 stuff. And it's cool to see as time's gone by, and I think a lot of platforms do this, where people will go back. And I'll identify things that maybe at the time felt noisy, but then after all that noise dies down, they're remembered for being really great games. And it's why our Back program is so important to us, because there are games where they actually find their audience later and um, for many different reasons. And I think it's important for us that we continue to give those creative pieces in our industry uh, room and, and areas to find new players that maybe miss them when they come out, when they came out. It's why going all the way back to the original Xbox is important to us and the games that we want to see there and the 360 back and pad and the full compatibility um, with our Xbox One library. But it's, you know, I, I can think of games like Eternal Darkness on the game. Sure. And did it get enough of a buzz when it came out? And then you go back and look at it and some of the things they did and deleting your save game and all these kind of things to make you freak out about playing. You know, it's, uh, I think there's some games that shift on Xbox One that three or four years, even today, that get higher marks than they did, not review score marks, but just higher notoriety in the industry than they did when they launched. And um, uh, I'm glad at least that they get to that point. Uh,
0: All right, my favorite Phil Spencer tweet from recently, uh, which I need to ask you about here. You visited the Initiative in Santa Monica, and you said, incredibly talented studio, challenging themselves to do new things, and then in parentheses, and old things, Smiley face. What did you mean by that, Phil Spencer?
1: I just meant Daryl's kind of an old guy. No. (laughs) I'm not gonna talk. I I won't say too much about you know it's uh there are very few instances where you get to build a studio from scratch. Yeah. Um we did that with turn 10, I think you know that. Oh yeah. That we built that studio from employee one um and built it up. And this is another opportunity to get to work uh, with that incredible team. And it's just cool to see them coming together. A lot of veteran leadership in that studio. But I will say, and I know this is not the part you're asking about, um, but they're challenging themselves to try to do things in some different ways. Uh, and I I think that's that's just really great to see. Um, and they're going to be very open about how they're doing because they they think it's something that, um, they want to share with the, the community and the, and the industry as they do it. But um, yeah, I can't wait to get to show what the initiative is working on. Um,
0: I, I mean I guess it, that obviously you know is you know where I'm driving at with this is that there's there's the speculation now in the community of are they working on a on a, on a, a new game in an, with an existing IP are they doing something new. I would imagine it for you and the and Daryl and that team, it's it's gotta be a, sort of a, a strange but good problem to have is trying to figure out well, well, what do we do? Do we dip into the perfect darks or the this or the that that Microsoft has, or do we do we just start fresh on on a blank sheet of paper?
1: Well, I, I listen to you guys debate it amongst yourselves on the podcast, and uh, certain people want them to go do something new. Uh, certain people want um, they also want us to bring bring back games from our past. And- Uh, I heard about the coalition, bring back Shanghai, which was never a code name for any game at the coalition, but the uh, um, versus having them do gear. You know, it's, I don't know that it's 50 50. The balance between new IP um, and games that people love in our portfolio is something that Matt and I spend time on. Uh, And it's why when we're doing new things like Tell Me Why, that we get excited about those things, or we get to bring back things like Flight Sim. I know that's kind of a, a big leap from the, where we are with the, with the cult um, with the initiative, but, um, you know, having that mix so that people, those, those emotions that you had in playing those games, feeling those games and what they were about, but bringing up to modern standards with new sensibilities and design, um, uh, while also exciting people with brand new things that people have never seen before. I think the mix that we have coming up that we're going to talk to people about is really strong there. Um, and it's something we spend a lot of time on and I, had on, I think in the end you need to ship a great game, and if you ship a great game, and it was an IP that people knew or have heard of, that works. And if you go and create something new that's awesome, that also. Works.
0: All right, real quick, I know just we had we got like one or two minutes left. Uh, uh, Tim Saray, uh and has has tweeted publicly. Uh, he and I chat. I've been keeping a very very close eye on the last night since it was revealed on your stage in 2017. That game just captivating. And uh, it, it, when, it, when a studio like that and a crater like that uh, talks about, oh, well, we've had some funding challenges. We're, we're, you know, trying to get everything figured out and get this game done. Do, do, you pick up the phone in a situation like that? Do you kind of feel like, is there, can you help in a in a situation like that? What's, what do you, what do you make of it when you see something like that?
1: Well, first, uh, building video games is incredibly hard. Shipping games, I, 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 I tell all my teams, any team. I- Shipping a video expose things a team can do. Because it's a creative artwork that's just going to get, it gets played and it gets reviewed and it gets analyzed and dissected. And the game can't defend itself. It just kind of sits there as an inanimate object while, while people kind of go after it. So anytime I see a team that's in uh, you know, some distress or have, have some issues, it, it always hits me. I'll say, like, as somebody where we sit in the industry, we know about those situations before they hit Twitter, um, and if we're in a position to go do something, I mean, I guess it's been out there, so it's not like if you look at Studio MBHR and kind of how um, and the length of time and the funding, that was a thing where you know we had a relationship with the team, we didn't let it get to the point where it was on Twitter and somebody was looking for help. Right. So most of the times when I get these kind of of like I'm buying this or somebody else is buying that or there's somebody out there who's in distress. If we could have helped and it worked for us, we were probably already in there. It's rare that it happens on Twitter that we find out about something almost never does because the industry, I mean, they all know our phone numbers. So <laughs> uh, before they tweet out something, they, they would give us a call. Um, that said, every once in a while, you know, I, I learn something about a, a new situation and I'll reach out. Usually it's on a policy thing. If somebody comes and says, hey, You know, I really don't like this about what Xbox does, and if I don't know the person, I'll reach out. I've had a lot of really good conversations there, but yeah, it's rare that we'll do kind of a financial save because of a tweet, because we're we're usually already in the conversation before we get to that point.
0: All right, I'm gonna let's end on a softball here. I'm gonna give you. I'm just gonna groove you one right down the middle. Just smack this out of the park. Have fun with it. Uh, What are you know? We talked a little bit about new IPs, old IPs. What what's an IP in the portfolio? that you would personally, not you're not saying that this is gonna get made, just something in the portfolio that, that we haven't seen in a while that you would like to see brought back as Phil Spencer, the gamer?
1: Mech, Mech's easy. Like, I just think the whole Mech, in Mech, from a right standpoint's a little bit messy. There's some other people working on games. But when I think about Mech Assault, um, and you know, the IP that Jordan created, Foster Jordan weissman yes. When you go to like Crimson and Shadowrun and Mac, um, and, and even more, like it's just really deep, really rich um, stories and characters to go play in. Um, and I think it would be really cool at some point if we could do something with Mac. With obviously, I'd pick something we're we're not working on right now, just so I'm not kind of teasing something. Um, but yeah, that's that's a pretty easy one for me because I just if I go from Commander to Warrior to Assault, like if I could take the whole. Uh, and and go. I just think there's such an amazing, rich uh, place there for for somebody to go and create. Maybe someday we'll we'll find all the rights will line up in the right way, and we'll get to do something. How about Love you? It. I
0: like I like that you had a quick, an- you had an immediate answer. You didn't think about it. I like that. That's uh, straight to my heart. What's yours? I I have to say, as a as a long suffering Splinter Cell fan and a fan of stealth games. I would probably go Perfect Dark at this point just because stealth games have, have all but largely vanished. We just don't get a lot of AAA stealth games anymore. Mark of the Ninja was a favorite of mine on, on the 360, and we haven't had Splinter Cell in like seven years, and, and uh, Metal Gear is, is, for all intents and purposes, done. So it's uh, s- stealth, I w- and Perfect Dark's a good fit there if it ever, if it ever works no, out. I, I
1: like stealth. You should go uh, talk to WB about doing No One Lives Forever Again.
0: Oh, that'd be good. Well, they're, you know, Monolith is busy making uh, licensed, you know, Lord of the Rings games now. I think they're making a little too much money doing that stuff. So what are you going to do? Uh, they're in your neck of the woods. You go they see They are. It. They're
1: right up the street. Yeah, <laughs> I like those guys a lot. Uh,
0: Phil Spencer, this was a real treat. Seriously, thank you so much. Let's not let it be three more years again.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Again, everybody stay safe. Uh, do what we can. It's just, it's amazing to see how, People are using gaming right now and physical distancing is keeping us apart. The social distancing seems to be as close as ever on gaming. We have so many people playing. As an industry, it's not an Xbox comment, just all across the board. Everybody stay safe. Uh, continue to use games is a great way to connect with
0: your friends and your family. Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, look for the Xbox Series X. This fall, if all hope everything's on schedule, all goes well. I can't wait to get mine. Uh, Phil, thank you. This was unlocked 437. And we'll see you back here next week.